He's uploading the virus. Eagle One, the package is being delivered. Hello out there on the internet. I'm Matthew Galt, and this is Cyber Drones. They're here, and they're not going anywhere. The U.S. military may have pioneered the art of using drones in a war zone, but America's cops are pushing the tech on the home front, from the Boston Dynamics dog taking temperatures in Hawaii to quadcopters patrolling the skies. The cops are very interested in drone tech. One of the big companies in the field is Skydio. It advertises itself directly to police officers and has cultivated relationships with departments across the country. That cozy relationship is the subject of a new article on Motherboard, when police do marketing surveillance tech... Yeah. That close cozy, enough. Close, close enough. enough. That's close. That's close, but I'm going to do a reread. Uh, that cozy relationship is the subject of a new article on Motherboard, when police do marketing for surveillance tech companies. Uh, I co-authored the article... Wow. I co-authored the article with Motherboard Editor-in-Chief Jason Kebler. He's here with me today to talk Skydio and what happens when cops get in bed with the people selling them drone tech. Jason, thank you so much for coming on to Cyber once again. What a debacle. What an utter debacle. <laughs> listen. So, thank you for having me. <laughs> listen, they're not all going to be clean reads. And for whatever reason, whenever you're here, that tends to be when I really like muddle it up. I don't know why. I don't know. No, why. you did great. You did great. Thank you. Uh, so before we get into this Skydio, we do have to talk about something that's kind of uh, blowing up in our world right now. And that is, of course... My PlayStation 5 that I got yesterday. You just got a PlayStation 5. Do you know when it's going to be there? Uh, in two to three business days, according to Sony. I waited. In, I tried only one time. I was successful. First time I tried, waited in line for 45 minutes, and, and now I have a PlayStation nice. that I probably won't play that much. But I'm very excited. Good. The The controller is really where it's at. I'm excited for you to play Warzone. Uh, and you also just got... You're doing 4K for the first time now, too, right? I got a new TV. Yeah, that's why I got the PS5, because I was on a 720p TV, and I just got a 4K TV, and I was like, whoa, it's very a, interesting. It's very different. People should try this technology. Yeah. <laughs> but, but seriously, the big news uh, in our world is that Elon Musk has put in an offer that it seems to have been accepted. Uh, he's getting Twitter. He's going to be Twitter's owner, correct? We've written about this on the site, Emmanuel did, uh, which I will pull up now. Yeah, World's- Elon has purchased Twitter. World's richest man gets what he wanted. Which I think is just a perfect headline, really. What, what, so what exactly is going on here, Jason, and how worried should we be? Well, the original headline that Emmanuel wanted to, to run with was Elon Musk becomes king shit of Turd Mountain, which is maybe perhaps a better framing here in that uh, Twitter is a debacle of a website and a very messy place that uh, Elon Musk has been really obsessed with for the last few years. Uh, Jordan Pearson and I wrote an article, I think last week, sort of like, you know, Twitter is actually a very important part of Elon Musk's life. Like he is the world's richest person. But if you start actually looking at it, it's like how he communicates with the public. It's how he became in many ways, a very public figure. And perhaps most importantly, it's how he met his wife, uh, Grimes, uh, the mother of his two children, uh, whose names I cannot spell nor remember, uh, but various math equations. <laughs> um, in any case, it's like they met because he sent a physics joke to her in a DM. He slid into her DMs and, uh, the rest is history. And so it's like Elon Musk has cared about Twitter a lot for a long time. And uh, the I just wrote an article about how the right is really celebrating this news because they see Elon as a free speech absolutist who is going to like unban Trump and unban all these conservatives and get rid of all of the rules and make uh, get rid of uh, like Hollywood and the liberal left's stranglehold on technology and big tech and censorship and all of this sort of thing. And I think uh, it's really exhausting to even think and talk about, which is why we're not going to talk about it for that long. There's a lot of great articles on Motherboard that you can read about this stuff. But I think uh, all of this is being overblown in a way that is um, in the same way that really everything is overblown on Twitter all the time. It's like, you're coming from a place where you had one weird crypto billionaire in Jack Dorsey running the website, and now you're going to have another weird crypto promoting billionaire in Elon Musk to uh, run the website now. 
And it's like we might see some changes around the edges. But I think the really important thing is like there is a world in which Elon Musk can get rid of all of Twitter's rules and uh, basically like make it a free free for all zone. But functionally, that's kind of what we have on Twitter already. Like Twitter has the least sophisticated content moderation uh, operation of any major social media platform. It's way less sophisticated than Facebook. It's way less sophisticated than YouTube. And it also has kind of like the fewest rules of any of the uh, big social media platforms. Like we did reporting a couple years ago that showed that Twitter explicitly allowed white supremacy on its platform because it thought that like the quote unquote marketplace of ideas would uh, basically like change white supremacists minds. Uh, It has explicitly allowed Republican politicians to publish like hate speech and white supremacist content without any uh, repercussions. And so you have people like Tucker Carlson and uh, like Ron DeSantis saying, this is a turning point in American history. Like the right will no longer be censored, so on and so forth. But the really important thing to remember is that all of these content moderation rules and the rules that people are worried about going away under Elon Musk are not rules that Twitter has put in place to censor Republicans or censor the right or prevent free speech. There are rules that Twitter has put into place to appease advertisers, uh, which is obviously the core of its business model. And Elon Musk has said that he intends to try to run Twitter profitably. uh, And so unless he has some new plan where he's going to make money, uh, through some subscription model that I don't think will work, uh, it, it's going to continue to remain an advertising-focused business. And if that is the case, it's like advertisers are not going to want to put their ads around hate speech, around violent content, around terrorist content, around uh, racism and misogyny. And it's like Twitter already has all that shit already. So I don't know. I, I find it to be exhausting, but that's that's kind of my take. It's like Twitter already a cesspool. Uh, has basically like the bare minimum content moderation in place right now to prevent it from being completely unmonetizable. And like any further rollback of these rules is going to make it just like very, very difficult for them to make any money whatsoever. And Elon Musk didn't become the world's richest man by running charities. And I, I just don't think, I don't think that they're, that he's going to be able to make significant changes to what is already a disaster of a platform to make it any worse. Uh, I could be wrong, but that's, that's kind of what I think based on years of reporting on content moderation and on Twitter and on Elon Musk in general. Yeah, I agree. I think the other thing to keep in mind, uh, and I do this too, when I, when something on cable, when I see something like reposted on Twitter, that's from cable news, that's very upsetting. It's like most people, in America and especially the world are not paying attention to what's happening on Twitter. Um, it's a pretty like, yeah, there's a lot of important people there having important conversations, but it, I think it's less influential than people think it is. It's just that a whole bunch of influential people are on there yelling at each other, um, in a very public way. So it seems like it has more power than it does, but you know, uh, yeah, I think in the day-to-day life of ordinary people, uh, Twitter doesn't have that much uh, impact. However, in the minds of the rich and the influential and journalists and politicians, it occupies just a huge yeah. portion of their brains. And so it gets an outsized amount of coverage and it drives an outsized amount of sort of like the day's topics. Um, yep. And I think that's really bad, but it's also just sort of like how it is at the moment. And so... Uh, it's re- it's really tough for me as someone who's like directing the coverage of our website because it's like all of us spend way too much time on Twitter. I think that we talk about it too much. I find it to be really exhausting. I try to stay off of it as much as possible outside from uh, promoting our own work and sort of, you know, ingesting the news. At the same time, it's like you can't you can't ignore the world's richest person buying this platform that he's obsessed with that he has claimed he's going to make big changes to. Uh, We're going to continue to write about it as makes sense. I think uh, some interesting things he's brought up is like he's he's thinking about uh, open sourcing the algorithm, which uh, I think is 
probably going to be really interesting if he does. I think Twitter has a much less sophisticated algorithm than Facebook or TikTok, from what I can tell. Uh, it's a pretty bad algorithm in terms of like use. It's like showing me the same tweets over and over and over again. And it's they just kind of recently, like in the grand scheme of things, put that algorithm into place. Like they were straight up reverse chronological for much longer than other platforms. At the same time, there's people who are worried that open sourcing the algorithm is going to lead to people gaming it, like so on and so forth. But I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. He's also vowed to crack down on like crypto scam bots and stuff like that. And, and also, as a commenter just pointed out, uh, put in a tweet edit function, which a lot of people have wanted for a long time, which I personally think is a bad idea because it allows uh, powerful people to change what they have said uh, maybe after the fact, like after they're getting ratioed or something, but I guess it depends on the implementation. Uh, but yeah, Twitter is a, like a disastrous, uh, platform in many ways. Um, it's, as I said, it's content moderation is really bad. It has super terrible harassment and threat issues. Uh, we've written a lot of articles about how like ISIS is still just like hanging out on Twitter posting, uh, you know, they get their, Accounts delete every now and then, but Twitter is really, really bad at moderating anything that's not in English. Yep. Uh, there's no indication that you know Elon Musk is going to be any better at solving that problem. We've seen straight up neo Nazis posting terrorist threats on Twitter, and it's like Twitter will delete it when it's when it learns about it, but it's so bad at discovering this stuff that. Uh, I just I just don't see how it can get much worse. And I think that Elon buying Twitter is probably an indictment on capitalism and on someone being allowed to amass so much wealth and so much power that they're able to kind of like do this as something of a, of a lull. Um, but I just don't think that functionally day to day we're going to see much difference. Uh, some people have rightfully pointed out that Tesla has had really bad problems with racism and sexism and misogyny. Uh, what I would say to that is Twitter has had those problems and continues to have those problems ever since day one. And so I'm not, I don't want to say that that's not a good fear to have. It's just like Twitter is and always has been a mess. It's not clear how they solve it. And, uh, I don't know. It's like Jack Dorsey was a pretty bad CEO. Elon Musk probably also going to be a bad CEO, but but I guess we'll see. Let's switch tracks then and talk about Skydio. This thing, this this article that we were working on for too long, too long, too damn long. One of the reasons it would it took too damn long, uh, we will get into. But what is Skydio? Skydio is a drone company. Uh, it is a company that is based in California. It is a competitor. I think it's probably the biggest competitor at this point to DJI, which is based in Hong Kong and Shenzhen. Um, they sell a couple small-ish drone camera drones that are used by surveyors, like you know, bridge builders and bridge inspectors. Uh, probably used by farmers, used by people like that. And then its biggest customers, from what I can tell, are law enforcement and the military. And one of the reasons that they've been so successful at selling to law enforcement and the military is that they're able to say that they are a blue drone, which means that they are basically fully made in the U.S. Uh, and there's sort of this uh, fear of Chinese companies, especially in law enforcement and the military, where they're worried that you know, DJI is going to spy on spy on us and spy on the military and so on and so forth. And so there was this warning sent out a few years ago by the Department of Homeland Security that said like, hey, avoid Chinese drone manufacturers. And Skydio is, I believe, the biggest U.S.-based and U.S.-made drone company. Although, as we learned in our reporting, there are a couple small parts that are made in China. Uh, it's, a, it's a little Chinese as one of the Skydio executive said in an email we got, uh, but th yeah, that's what Skydio does. Right. Let's, since you brought it up, let's focus on this, this, what makes something a blue drone. Um, technically it's like basically drones have been cleared for Pentagon use. Uh, 
right? Off-the-shelf drones that have been cleared for Pentagon use. Um, and in the Skydio website says specifically, believe that it's all assembled in the United States. Uh, it's it's careful. It's very careful in its wording. Um, and the reason is that, as you said in the emails that we got between uh, DOD officials and Skydio executives, that I believe just like some of some parts, some non-electronic parts are manufactured in China, like some of the gimbal arm pieces and things like that, right? Yeah, like the plastic and like the screws or something like maybe made in China. But I, I think that it's like fair to say it's like it's a U.S. made drone for yeah. for the most part. Yeah, I think so. But let's like setting that aside. What 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 really the the core of the story is about is about U.S. policing and the way it uses drones and the way Skydio communicates with the cops. Um, so this all begins for us. The motherboard journey uh, begins with some Freedom of Information Act requests that you filed a year ago, more than a year ago. Yeah, it was more than a year ago. <laughs> um, so there was a Forbes article by Thomas Fox Brewster, who's a really good reporter. Check him out if you don't know him. Uh, he used to write for Motherboard a long time ago, but has been at Forbes for a really long time now. Uh, that was basically just about this company um, and how the, p- the police liked them. And so anytime we see the police, broadly speaking, uh, interested in new technology, we try to figure out like, okay, where are they operating? How are they operating? Uh, what cities are they operating in, so on and so forth. And so I went to their website. Their website has a couple uh, logos of various police departments on it. There's a few like local news stories about you know these small towns that are trying out Skydio drones, these various pilot programs. And so I filed, I don't know, 40 or 50 Freedom of Inf- Information Act requests with state and local governments uh, I focused mostly on Chula Vista, uh, California, which is a suburb of San Diego, uh, as well as Campbell, California, because there was some local reporting on uh, Skydio's work with those police forces. Uh, in the past, we've done similar things for like Ring, which is Amazon's uh, home security systems. We've done it for Flock, which is like an automated, automatic license plate reader. That's used in a bunch of cities. We've done it for a couple other camera companies. We've done it for like body camera companies, things like this. And usually when you when we file these Freedom of Information Act requests, they are we're asking for like emails between the cops and the government and the company. We're asking for contracts, we're asking for presentations, we're asking for recordings, we're asking for videos. Anything that like usage reports as well as a big one. So like anytime a drone was flown. And when we did this for Ring, we were pretty shocked uh, at how many cities were using Ring and at kind of the interaction between Amazon and police departments where they were like, you should incentivize your uh, constituents or your residents to buy Ring cameras. And like, we'll give you prizes if, if you can get people to buy Ring cameras. And usually there was like just ballparking it. There would be like 15 to 20 emails, uh, just like, you know, some communication, but not like all day, every day. Um, And with Skydio, uh, with Chula Vista, for example, there were like 15,000 pages, maybe, maybe that's a little bit more than we got, but there was like 900 pages of emails for a single month in 2020, uh, which is just to say like the sheer volume of communications between the cops and this company was staggering. Um, Chula Vista is, is a company or is a city that Skydio partnered with in the early days. Um, but with other cities as well, we found like hundreds and hundreds of emails uh, between Skydio and the cops. And the article is basically about what we found. So the the long and short of it is like Skydio hired this guy named Fritz Reber, who was the cop who started the drone program in Chula Vista. And then Fritz basically spent months and years uh, leveraging his contacts at Chula Vista and at other uh, other police departments around California and around the country to be like, 
you should really try our drone. You should try the Skydio drone. And what happens is basically like there's a couple cops who we got just dozens and dozens of emails from uh, where they were basically acting as a propaganda arm of Skydio. And it went from this company selling like one or two drones, like drones to one or two different police departments. And then those police departments basically like talking up Skydio to the point that it's now in hundreds of police departments around the country. All right. We're going to take a break briefly right here. Uh, If you are watching on Twitch, we will be back immediately. If you're listening to the podcast, we'll be right back after a few words from our sponsors. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend, but what won't change needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. All right. Welcome back. We are on cyber talking to Jason Kebler about Skydio in this big piece that we just dropped on motherboard this week that he and I co-wrote. Um, I want to show the audience something just to kind of give them an idea of what we were dealing with here, because it was, I've never, I, I've, I've worked on several different stories that involve freedom of information act requests. A lot of mostly through, through Pentagon stuff. Um, I have never seen a response like this. Uh, to Freedom of Information Act requests. Just the amount of information we got was uh, a little overwhelming. <laughs> the amount of communication that was going on between these individual police departments and uh, uh, Skydio. So here I'm going to pull it up. So this is a good example. Clear out that. So like this was our response from one company. Each one of these individual files is bare minimum like 150 pages each of email communications between the companies. Um, and it's some of it's just like baseline stuff, like, hey, you know, here's our newsletter for the week. But a lot of it is coordinating at a pretty high level about like, hey, can you share contacts? Um, you know, can, would you would you jump into a commercial? Would you do a commercial for us? My fav- One of my favorites that we opened the piece with. Um, reaching out to uh, uh, a police officer, Dave Cameron, who we can get into in a minute. Um, they filmed a commercial with, will you be in uniform, willing to appear in the video? James is a cinema wizard and will have you looking like Brad Pitt. But understand, if you can't do that, we'd love to have a uniformed officer in the video somehow. Let me know if we can launch you into a second career in Hollywood. Like, I think that like that's how close the relationships were here. They were really jokey with each other, um, even to the point where cops were proactively kind of running defense of Skydio, um, both in the press and with outside, with outside consulting agencies, which I thought was really interesting. Do you want to, do you want to get into that or I can tackle that? If you yeah. Want. Yeah. I mean, so that email that you just read, like obviously stuck out to me too. Uh, that was an email sent by a Skydio executive. Like it's not like some random person sending it out. It's like mm-hmm. the highest levels of the company were just emailing with, various cops all the time being like, well, do you like the drone? If you like the drone, tell your friends like that sort of thing. And I think it's basically like a referral type business. Uh, and it's hard to blame Skydio here because it's like, they're getting essentially free marketing uh, and they have kind of a captive audience as in like these cops are really interested in drones as a technology uh, I think that every law enforcement branch wants to be seen as like cutting edge and these drones are autonomous in a way that a lot of other drones are not. And so, and they always want more funding and more toys and more gadgets and so on and so forth. And so they are like looking to get into this space and then they are getting the attention of, you know, this company that sells these drones. And in some cases they're getting free drones and then they can take that to their chief or their city council and be like, look at us. We're at the cutting edge of policing and we can use these drones to protect our people and so on and so forth. And so um, it was, it's definitely like a symbiotic relationship in that sense. It's like 
Skydio is getting free marketing. They're not doing anything illegal here from what I can tell. Uh, at the same time, it's like these cops are sworn to protect and serve uh, and should nominally be, you know, responsive to the public and should be transparent with the public. And it's like in the case of a couple of these cops, it's like they're spending all day, every day, just like shilling for this company. Um, maybe not all day, every day, but they're spending a significant amount of time shilling for this company, giving this company like reports on, um, you know, how the drones are going like that, so on and so forth. Like there's one email in here uh, from Fritz, who is the former Chula Vista head of their drone program who went, got, went on to work for Skydio. And they have this uh, mailing list called the Stack, which is, I actually don't remember what it stands for. Do you, Matt? Yeah, give me one second. I've actually got it right here in front of me. Skydio Tactical Advisory Committee is what they called it. Yeah, so this is basically an email listserv of, more than 200 police officers and government officials. Uh, and basically like if Fritz wants something, he just goes and sends an email to these 200 people. And is like an example of one thing that happened was Skydio wanted to shoot a commercial and he was looking for space to do that. So he was basically looking for looking to simulate uh, like a hostage situation. He was looking to simulate uh, like a, a search and rescue operation. And he sent sort of like, we're looking for all of these things and we're looking for, a, you know, a, a law enforcement, a police department that's willing to do this for us. We want to come bring our drones, shoot it. We'll put it in a commercial. Uh, you know, if there's any overtime, we'll pay for the overtime, like so on and so forth. And he sent that to 200 different police departments around the country. And some of like, they got responses. I'm not sure where they shot it, but there's like a follow-up email that we got that was like, thanks for the overwhelming response. Like, thank you for, for this. Like we're, we're set here. Uh, there's also emails, um, at the start of the pandemic, uh, we have emails from one police department This again, Chula Vista, which is a suburb of San Diego. Um, sent an email to like a hundred different cops offering a free Skydio drone to anyone who used a referral code basically. Um, and then we saw, we saw different departments around the country get that drone. And then we also saw um, sort of the knock on effects of that, where it's like, Oh, we tried this drone. Chula Vista said it was great. Uh, we tried it out because we got one for free. Now we want to buy one. Uh, and then we have sort of like the submission that they sent to their city council. Uh, and then we have the sign off and it's like, they're like $2,000 drones. And so uh, you can see kind of the entire arc of like one cop tries it, tells his friend about it, gives them a free trial. And then suddenly like they're Skydio customers. Um, and this has happened sort of all over the country. This is, it is similar to what we've seen with ring and flock and other surveillance technology. But as I said, it's like, from what we have seen, this is maybe the tightest integration of any company. Um, we've tried to do similar stuff with Axon, um, oh, we'll which is Axon. the taser and body camera company. But a lot of those documents have been redacted or have been, uh, we haven't been able to get them because they fall under like a different FOIA authority. And so it's impossible to say that like no other companies are doing this, but, uh, but Skydio has been particularly good at it, I would say. Yeah, and I want to uh, – there's another good question in chat. Like, what are the cops actually doing with these drones? Uh, two things. One, your Slack notifications are popping off, and I think uh, people are going to have a, a panic attack. Is there a way – Mine that, are? Yeah, your, yours are. They're not, not mine. I'm all muted on my end. I muted Slack. Um, oh, my God. Am I the only one I'll hearing that? It chat can everyone else hear the the slack notifications little beeps nobody's saying anything okay they've been it's discord it's discord everyone is saying my discord yeah 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 not slack good lord <laughs> oh my god disaster disaster indeed yeah i've got like every server i'm on is muted basically uh i'll give you a second to to work that out while i uh, I'll take over here for a minute. So <laughs> Jason telling everyone he's popular in the war zone chat. Um, now everyone in chat, it's, it's, it's us. It's not you. You're not going crazy. Um, okay. So 
One thing I really wanted to highlight that I thought was really wild uh, in these emails is that the cops, like as I said earlier, would kind of run cover for Skydio. Um, they got like they had some pretty cozy relationships. This is a really interesting instance right here, where the Financial Times writes this article about how their Skydio's valuation is rising uh, because of fears over these Chinese drones. Um, Washington Examiner then picks up that story aggregates it, starts kind of doing its own version of it. Um, the police see the Washington Examiner story and they say like, oh, well, this is, uh, you know, this is, this is not accurate. They reach out to Washington Examiner and get pieces of the story changed. You can see down here, editors note, this report has been updated to clarify several points with feedback from the Chula Vista Police Department. Then Chula Vista reaches the Chula Vista Police Department reaches out directly to Skydio to talk about uh, how excited they are that they uh, they got the story changed. FYI, I was able to get the worst of the stories corrected. They refused to correct the record yesterday after I sent the press release, but I followed up today with specifics and hit them pretty hard on the facts. They changed the headline and made the story much more positive. Big win for the industry and police. Just keeping you in the loop. Um, they also coordinated over a New York Times article where uh, a New York Times was going to come out and see how one of these drone programs worked at Chula Vista. Skydio was kind of brought in at one point and then ultimately decided, you know, we probably shouldn't uh, actively get involved with this one. Um, quote from one of these emails, we're really trying to rack up victories together here. This partnership has been an absolute dream. Um, another thing that happened that I really enjoyed, uh, well, enjoyed is the wrong way to put it, but that I, that I found was very, very interesting, um, is this blue heron research group reach is a New York based consulting firm that was doing research on, uh, drones. And they reached out to Dave Cameron who, uh, at Campbell, California, who's one of the big like Skydio proponents. Um, they reached out and they're like, Hey, will you talk to us about your experiences with Skydio? Cameron reaches out to Skydio before he talks to Blue Heron and says like, hey, do you mind if I talk to these people? I don't want to get Skydio in trouble. Do you know if this will benefit Skydio? He said. Uh, they have to give him thanks for the heads up. He's like, just let me know whether you want to actually talk to them or not. I really don't care. If it benefits Skydio, I will. Again, at this point, Cameron is a California employee. He works for the city of... Uh, of Campbell. He's not the Skydio employee. How are we doing over there with your Slack notifications? Jason? I think I'm, I think they're fixed. I think we're good. Okay. Okay. Your, your discord notifications. I apologize. I apologize. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry to everyone, especially on the podcast because I'm not recording my side. So, uh, it's going to be a mess when you listen to this. I'm, I'm really sorry. Yeah. We're so sorry. Um, just always apologizing. Just deeply, deeply uh, <laughs> sorrowful and apologetic to everyone always. Um, no, but I, I think that the the Blue Heron one was a really interesting one for us too because it's like this this was about uh, a company that wanted to invest in Skydio and they wanted to talk to consumers like clients of the company to see if you know they're good drones or whatever. Uh, and then, like nominally, you would think even if this cop were to talk to blue heron or to talk to this investment firm like you would want it to be an independent sort of conversation but in this case it's like he's checking with skydio to make sure that it's okay with them and he only wants to do it if it's going to be helpful for them and it's like as i said i don't see i don't see why skydio wouldn't do this other than like they're getting some potentially negative ish press from us. Although it's like whether, whether anyone cares about this other than privacy absolutists is, is up in the air. It's like, I care a lot, but I don't know if local government is going to care, but it's like, this is not really how it's supposed to work. Um, (laughs) You know, it's like this guy is supposed to be working for the people of his city and is supposed to be working for the government. And he's spending a lot of his time just like making sure that this company is happy with him. It's, it's as though I like purchased a, an iPhone and 
before I said anything about the iPhone, I was like calling up Apple to be like, uh, is it okay if I, uh, if I talk about whether this is a good product or not and what do you want me to say? And like, so on and so forth. It's just like, it's not, it's not what we would expect from our public institutions. I don't think. Let's get, let's get back to something that somebody asked in chat a little bit ago. Uh, what exactly are these drones used for by the cops? Oh yeah. So I have been, the first thing that I ever wrote about for motherboard was drones. I was on the drone beat for a long time. Uh, and I was covering sort of the integration of commercial and public safety drones into American airspace. And this was mostly like 2013, 2014, 2015. And at the time there were some drone bans, uh, the state of Virginia, for example, banned police from using drones because they were worried that they were going to be used for surveillance. They were worried that they were going to be used for spying. They were worried that it was going to be a civil liberties infringement, so on and so forth. There were also a few cities that banned uh, the use of drones by police. And then like after a couple of years, there was this town in North Dakota called Grand Forks. I guess it's a city by North Dakota standards, but it's a pretty small place. Uh, that started flying drones. This police department started flying drones. And the first thing that it was used for was to track down some drunk drivers who crashed in a cornfield and got out of their car and ran away. And basically like the drone followed them and was able to like scare them into stopping essentially. Um, There's also a case where a predator drone was flown again in North Dakota as part of this like multi-day standoff with like a sovereign citizen anti-government type person um, named Rodney Brosart. That was like a really wild thing because predator drones are not often flown in the United States. And when they are, it's usually to patrol the border and that's highly controversial. And I remember when this happened, like Rand Paul uh, filibustered about this for like ages because it was just such a big deal that a drone was being used kind of like on a U.S. citizen for the purpose of of law enforcement. Now, drones are flown like all over the place by cops all the time. Uh, What they're used for primarily is like, I think it's mostly for event monitoring. So like there are drones at the Super Bowl. There are drones at like various street fairs. There's drones above like big concerts and stuff like that. It's like, police are able to just kind of like monitor what's going on from the sky. Uh, Chula Vista actually made like a sizzle reel of what its drones are used for. And they like to say that it's often used in hostage situations or like standoff situations so that cops can get like situational awareness uh, so they can see like where, like if there's a, high speed chase or something they're able to like see and then it, and then that chase becomes um like happens on foot like able to see where that person runs they're maybe able to see like was this person armed where is he standing in the building depending on what sensors it has like some some drones do have infrared on them so you can see like where in a building people are like that sort of thing um that's primarily what they're used for i think What's different about Chula Vista is they have what's called the drones as first responder program, which is a bit of a new sort of paradigm where basically like they get a 911 call and rather than send out a cop, they are sending out a drone to survey the situation and determine whether it's like safe for a cop to go in. Um, and Chula Vista seems to like really love this program. They seem to think that it can prevent uh, like officer involved shootings. They think that it can keep officers safer. They think it can keep everyone safer. Very skeptical about that, but that's kind of like the, the line of thinking. Uh, there was a case in Georgia where a drone was flown into a guy's house. Uh, he had a gun and it was like a, hostage he was like i think it was an attempted murder or a murder suspect who pulled himself off like in a hotel or a house and the drone flew like up to his door or perhaps even into his house and was like you're under arrest and 
for some reason, rather than like shooting the drone, he just like gave up. Um, that, that was seen as like a big win for drones. The other thing, and I think that this is a real, this is a real good use of drones and something that I, I think we need more of and, and has happened quite a bit is a lot of fire departments have drones uh, and they use them for search and rescue. Uh, it's a lot easier to and safer to fly like a drone above the woods if you have like a missing person or someone who's run away or like a kidnapping or something like that. Uh, there's also been cases during like floods where drones have been used to fly ropes over to people who are like stuck on a log in a river it's like very sitcom or drama show type vibes but like that that is something that drones have been used for uh, in a law enforcement or like public safety context yeah it's not that the use of drones in these contexts per se is bad and in fact probably will save lots of lives some of these first responder stuff right um it's the level of integration between the private this this private public partnership i guess i would call it between the pe- between the police individual police departments and the people manufacturing the drones um it really reminds me of my background is pentagon dod reporting and i did a lot of stuff around like contractors and reading through these emails it really reminded me of the way the Pentagon, especially in the upper echelons and the American military works with uh, the, the defense de- or, or defense companies. You see a lot of things like a uh, story I worked on is a, a V-22 Osprey, which is this kind of fancy. Uh, uh, how can I describe it? It's a it's a plane. It's a plane helicopter thing. Um, it has a vertical takeoff and lift. It looks like a fan- it's subjectively very cool. Yeah, it's sub- like- subjectively <laughs> very cool. Um, but it has a lot, it crashes a lot and it crashes a lot because of the way it's wind tur- turbines work basically gets so hot that if you get enough sand in there, the sand will melt into glass onto the turbines and like crash the thing. And it happens a decent amount. Um, Marines use the V-22 Osprey. Um, there was a, a, a muckety muck in the Marines that was in charge, like was involved in the investigations around the Osprey um, and cleared it of a lot of problems, even after crashes. He retires from the Marines, and he goes and he joins the board of one of the companies that manufactures a piece for the V-22 Osprey. Um, and we are seeing a similar thing happen with the Skydio stuff, right? Like we talked about uh, Fritz, uh, who stood up one of the drone early drone programs and then goes and works for Skydio. It's not the only one. Uh, Dave Cameron, who appeared in the commercial, who we talked about earlier, has a side gig uh, where he is doing consulting on the side related to drones. Um, another one of the people that's it's in a lot of the emails went and worked for Axon after leaving the police department. Like it's very similar. And I think, I just think that like we need to have a pushback on those kinds of cozy relationships because it perverts the incentives. Right. In my mind, I don't know how you feel, Jason. Yeah. I mean, no, absolutely. I think, uh, the procurement situation is one thing where it's like, often you just kind of have a city council that's willing to rubber stamp anything for law enforcement. Um, it's like many city governments struggle to have correct funding and, and stuff like that. And it's like when they do have funding, it often goes to police departments. And when it goes to police departments, it often goes to buy new toys And in this case, it's like we're actually seeing a lot of COVID relief funds being used for surveillance technology. And that those are often federal funds. And it's like, well, if it's free money, let's go get it is kind of the thinking. And then let's buy it and find a use for it later. And that that's something that we find with all sorts of surveillance technology, where it's like if the cops have it, they're gonna find a reason to use it. And so there there's definitely various reasons why having a drone might be good um, for search and rescue, for hostage situation, for things like this. But it's like, are you going to be the person, are you going to be the cop? I'm not going to be a cop. Many of us are not going to be cops, but it's like for for cops, it's like, are you going to advocate to buy this drone technology that costs $2,000, maybe more than that, uh, and then to use it like once a year or to use it every couple years? Like, no, you're going to try to show that it's being used regularly. And so you're going to use it for whatever. And we've seen this kind of time and time again with 
uh, with things like tasers. We've seen it with uh, automatic license plate readers. We've seen it with stingrays, which are cell site simulators, which are basically like used to track cell phones. We see it with the technology that's used to hack iPhones to, to kind of get their contents, um, which is a tool called GrayShift and, and GrayKey. GrayKey made by a company called GrayShift. Um, and so, and, and it's the same with like military technology where it's like all of these local police departments have tanks now. Uh, and then anytime a protest gets even moderately out of hand, it's like they're shooting smoke bombs into, into the crowds and they're, they're using riot gear and, and tanks. And it, it's the same with surveillance technology. It's like this stuff is going to be used because they need to show that it has a use. And the reason that they have it is because it was like their friends at another department have it. And they went to some police technology conference where they saw it and said, wow, you really need this. And now like a pilot program that happened in one city is like happening in hundreds of cities all over the country. All right. I've got one more. I know you need to go, Jason. I got one more question for you from chat. Uh, yeah. All these situations sound very U.S. centric. I wonder if there's as much drone use in Europe, for instance. I have no idea how different U.S. police is from what we have over here. Do you know much about the differences? Uh, I can speculate a little bit, which okay. is Europe has much better privacy laws than the United States does in general. Uh, it also has it has smaller police forces for the most part, and it has much less armed police forces. Um, you know, these drones are not armed. There's no there's no armed police drones in the United States. Um, I do not think that we're going to see that anytime soon. Um, there's an FAA rule actually that it's illegal to mount guns to drones. Um, and it, uh, sorry, it's illegal to mount guns to aircraft unless you're like the military. Um, we have seen a couple of people who have just like strapped handguns onto drones, like in the woods and start shooting them. And then you have like this second amendment versus like the FAA regulations thing. And that, that was like some of my most favorite reporting to do. Um, but well, I would also uh, point out that not all not all drones fly, and that in 2016, Dallas police used a drone with an explosive strapped to it to kill a guy who had killed five police officers. Right. So I mean that, like, to my mind, that that ship has already sailed. Like we're, we're probably going to get okay. That that is true. Actually, that thank you for bringing it up. That's something else that we foiled that I got back like three years later, and I unfortunately I got like six terabytes of information and it was impossible to go through. So if anyone wants to look through six terabytes of videos from the Dallas bomb disposal robot with C4 strapped to it, um, Janice is in the chat. It was a bomb disposal robot, but they strapped a bomb to it, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, I think very ironic. Pouncy AG kitten, I think, I believe is right. Three grams of shaped explosive on a tiny drone, I believe is exactly what, what they had done. Yeah. Um, long story short, Europe, uh, does have drones. It largely they're used to like monitor, uh, farms, like to make sure the crops are growing nicely. Um, which we also use them for here in the United States, the law enforcement use of drones in Europe, I'm not an expert on, but I think it's much less used than, uh, than here. Uh, there was another question a lot earlier, like how can I, how can I learn uh, if my police department has these drones and sort of see their, um, see their communications and stuff like that uh, here in the chat in on Twitch, I dropped the link to the request that we filed with Chula Vista. Uh, my recommendation, and we can, we can put this in the show notes my recommendation would be to go to the link uh, to click it and to just copy paste my request and replace it with your city's name. And then to email that request to, you want to find your city's public information officer, uh, which is usually on their website. And then you can just email it to them uh, and you might get something back. You might uh, get some shit from them. Uh, if you do it, and are interested and need help, let us know because uh, we're interested in this sort of thing. And it's like what we do all day, every day. So uh, we can help. Uh, I think it's really interesting to just try to get a survey of how widely this sort of technology is used. And it's something that's really hard for us to do uh, because 
when we do this, we usually file to like 30 or 40 or 50 different police departments and just kind of choose them either at random or targeted to police departments that we know have this technology or have a technology. Um, but there's like tens of thousands of police departments in the United States. And so it's impossible for us to do a full survey. And then a lot of them just like simply don't respond, uh, which is illegal. But when you're filing to like 50 or 60 different ones, you kind of take the responses that you get and then you work with that. Um, and it might not be worth like threatening to sue some tiny city, uh, because they didn't respond to your FOIA request when you basically get the information that you need from, from another city. That's the outro music, Jason. Thank you so much for coming on to cyber. That's the shut up now. music. <laughs> That's the, we've, we've gone long enough. Everyone go back to work music. <laughs> Thank you for coming on to cyber. Uh, if you're watching this as a Twitch stream, it will be available uh, as a full VOD here. Uh, as soon as we're done broadcasting. Uh, if you are listening to the podcast, Thank you so much. Leave us a comment. We do these live on Twitch now at twitch.tv forward slash motherboard TV. Sign up to get notifications for when we go live. Bring your questions. We interact with the chat. We talk to people. We're doing another episode this week on Thursday at 3 p.m. We're going to be talking to Lorenzo about uh, an amazing leak that he got from Facebook uh, about what happens to your data, what Facebook does with it, how well it tracks it. Uh, The answers will probably not shock you. But we will be back later this week with another wonderful cyber. Jason, thank you so much for coming on and walking us through the Skydio business. Yes. Deep apologies for the notification sounds to everyone. Just so, so sorry. (laughs) I'm sure they'll forgive you. Goodbye, everybody. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.